Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good, good, good. We're going to stand together and sing a couple of songs this morning that you're going to know really, really well. And just invite you to stand and sing. And you can close your eyes. You can pray. Whatever you'd like to do, always sing.
she can be seated. Sad. 
Pray that I make sense today. I was stuck at an airport in Memphis till late last night and got in after bedtime. And I'm just not cut out for those kinds of things at my advanced age. And so um, just pray that I make sense. I'm giving you about a 30-minute warning. We're going to have an invitation today. And so if God is leading you to join with this church family, today might be that day he calls you to join with us. So today we're going to continue where we left off last week. Last week we talked about focus and how we see things. And we looked at the story of the prodigal son and we saw the different focuses in that story. We learned the way that uh, the son saw things for a while. He was out of whack until you remember in the story he came to himself. He started seeing things the way he ought to see them. And then we talked about his loving father and how he focused on love. So in a nutshell, if the sermon could be summed up quickly, it would be by saying that Satan wants to, to, us to constantly focus on everything that is wrong with us and around us, while God wants to use our brain power to see what he wants us to see. But in our mind, sometimes when something gets in there, a wrong kind of seed, do you ever have that drip, drip, drip? of those thoughts that keep coming back and you try to push them away and they drip, drip. Sometimes it's a real thing and sometimes it's an imagined thing. I had an imagined thing happen last week. I'm trying to lose some weight, so I'm on a diet and when your diet changes, your breath changes. Not to get too graphic about it, but I needed help. And so I went to Publix and I bought Listerine. And when I'm at the checkout counter, the lady says, do you want a bag? No, it's one item. I can carry the Listerine to the truck myself. So, I leave Publix at Abernathy and Rothwell Road down there, headed to my truck, which is about halfway in the middle of the parking lot, and I'm walking to my truck like this with a bottle. Guess what went through my mind? There's a liquor store next to Publix. You know that, don't you? Well, maybe you don't know that. Anyway, there's a liquor store. There's a liquor store next to Publix, and I'm walking around in the parking lot, and then about halfway to my truck, I'm thinking, what if someone sees me? I'm the pastor at the First Baptist Church of Sandy Springs, and they might not understand that I'm carrying whatever that looks like. But that looks like it could be something at a distance, doesn't it? 
It's green. I don't know what green. Okay. Anyway, that's what my mind did that day in that moment. And, and I get in the truck and I thought, okay, focus, David. It's okay. You're fine. But just in case you saw me, it was Listerine. I just, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. But we ended last week where we're going to pick up today in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, and beloved is for believers. You can't do this unless you're a believer. Whatever is true, if you're not a believer, you don't know the truth. So we'll stop there with the believer part, but it's for believers. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Stop the drip that drives you crazy and let the flow come in about these kinds of things. This would be a great verse to live by. How much better our world would be if we lived by this. My life has changed a little bit about that drip. And, and I'm not telling you you need to do this. This was what God wanted me to do. I quit watching live television and news and all of that kind of stuff. My blood pressure is probably better as a result of it, not watching news around the clock. Um, and if it's not bad news, now the term is fake news. And I just don't want to fill my life with those voices. I found my favorite story of fake news ever while I was researching this this week. Billy Graham. Billy Graham had a wonderful reputation, didn't he? People tried to find something wrong with his finances and they couldn't. He ran everything transparently and above board. People tried to find him having affairs out of marriage and obviously he did not, would not do that. But it didn't stop people from trying to catch him doing things that he would not do. So reporters were hired from tabloids to follow him around and to see if they could find out something, even a picture of impropriety, so they could tear him down because the world loves to tear down the people of God. So he uh, was in France, in Paris, and the headline came out when Billy Graham was in Paris, Billy Graham spends night with a woman other than his wife. Paris tabloids, Billy Graham spends night with woman other than his wife. You might think, oh, it would have been his daughter, it would have been a grandchild. No, no, no. For proof, the tabloid claimed that the hotel registry showed that a woman was registered and spent the night with him in his room, and they even printed her name, and her name was Beverly Shea. Now, if you know Billy Graham, his minister of music was George Beverly Shea. They shared a room, Christian men in Paris, and the tabloid tried to make something out of it to discredit Billy Graham. Over the years in watching the news, I have been told, you have been told, that we would be killed by so many things. Bird flu was going to kill out. Remember bird flu? You don't remember bird flu, you remember swine flu. That was going to get us. Legionnaire's disease was going to wipe out all of us even though we might not be legionnaires. Y2K was the end of the world and that was 20 years ago just about. The Russians were going to get us and they stopped going to get us and now they're going to get us again. And anthrax, that was really a scare. 
Meteorites are going to hit us. Global warming is going to wipe us out. Global cooling was going to wipe us out before global warming is going to wipe us out. Acid rain was going to get us. Killer bees were on their way here. Remember when they were on their way here? They were going to be here. They're slow, those killer bees. Cholesterol is going to kill us, and mad cow disease is going to kill us, and DDT was going to kill us, and polio, and all sorts of diseases that have been cured in your lifetime. And we still watch and listen. In 1865, and this is not a new phenomenon, a famous 19th century economist named Stanley Jevons predicted that England would run out of coal by 1900 and that the nation's factories would grind to a stop. These are the same experts that predicted in the 1800s that the cities would be filled with horse manure because of all of the wagons and the carts, and they predicted that cities would end because of that problem. In 1939, the U.S. Department of Interior was certain that America's oil supply would run out before 1950. In 1944, the Federal Government Review predicted the long before now, that long before now, the nation would have run out of 21 commodities, including tin and nickel and zinc and lead and manganese. Other earlier experts were just as sure that we would, the world would run out of gold by 1981, mercury and silver by 1985, tin by 87, zinc by 90, petroleum by 92, along with copper and lead and natural gas. And the gloom and doom has continued and will continue. So today, we're going to talk about, in training our brain, how is it that we can protect ourselves from all of the craziness around us? And not really the ones I mentioned above, but the real ones. Death and disease and discouragement and depression and disappointment, the D's of this life. I remember a friend saying to me once that life is a tug of war and I'm the rope. Ever feel like that? It's a tug of war and you're the rope. Before we continue, let's pray together. Lord, help us to focus on you. Help us to fill our lives with the godly, not the worldly. Help us to, if we need, and I'm sure we do, reshape the way we think. Help us to have attitudes of gratitude and live lives of thanksgiving when so often we might complain. And forgive me of being guilty of that. So, Father, help us in how we think. We pray your Spirit will protect us not only in these moments, but always. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I've been in three hospitals this week. I've done five funerals in two states in the past two weeks. And three of those were people I loved very much. Two of them I didn't know, but one really bothered me because he was 40 years old. My daughter had a baby, that's the good news, but I wasn't able to see it around the clock like I had planned. I've seen her once at the hospital and that's it. And life just happens, doesn't it? Life happens. We see the goal in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. We looked at verse 8, but building up to that, look at 6 and 7. Good words for all of us that we could use. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and there's one of the great keys, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. that prayer and thanksgiving will lead us to peace in this crazy world. And I've heard so many examples of that in this room. One of the most recent, when Nell was walking in and I told her we'd been praying for Terry, Nell said, Terry, Terry knows, she can feel it. And she'll make it through it and the peace will come. Peace in this war zone called life. So how do we get there? Obviously, prayer, thanksgiving. But we have to train our brain to do those things. And back to verse 8 of Philippians 4, what the Bible tells us. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, pleasing, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let me ask you this. If you applied that, would your life be better? If we all just did this, would it be better? It would. This is an exercise, though, that has to be practiced every day. We can't just come one time and see that and think, oh, that's good. We've got to memorize that. We've got to put it on a note card on our mirror. We've got to keep it with us. We've got to know how to think. Over the years, I've used this example, and I think it's so true, how we retrain our brains. I remember once upon a time when we were raising our children that we would get onto our kids for messy rooms. Clean your room, go clean your room, go clean your room, go fix your room. And sometimes it needed it, and sometimes maybe it was just something to say. Today, when the grandkids come over, you know what I love? I love messy rooms. Jeannie and I can be there together and have a clean house that looks like a magazine, thanks to her abilities and for automatic robot vacuum cleaners. Those always help. And when the little ones come and there are Legos and Lincoln Logs and things everywhere, it does not, well, it looks like a magazine, but better homes and garbage, not better homes and gardens when they're there. It's just a disaster area, like a Toys R Us exploded in our room. And I'm okay with it now. Messy rooms mean that the kids are there. Messy rooms mean the kids have stuff. Messy rooms mean the kids have rooms. And so there are ways to look at things beyond our normal ways that we have to practice. When Jeannie and I were first married, and I've told you this, we had a big problem as newlyweds. I squeezed the toothpaste on the end as a civilized society should squeeze the toothpaste. Jeannie grabbed it in the middle like a Philistine. I mean, right in the middle. Biblically, that's wrong to grab toothpaste in the middle. And I'm ashamed to tell you that it bothered me. I probably could have picked other things, but toothpaste bothered me. Our solution? We each, for the past 35 and a half years, have our own tubes now. She has her tube, and I have my tube, and mine, I'd be proud to show you my tube. It's fabulous. <laughs> In retrospect, the toothpaste that was wrongly squeezed 
It meant that I had a wife. It meant that my wife had teeth. <laughs> it meant that my wife could smile. And those are good things, aren't they? In churches, it's interesting. Sometimes we can focus on little nitpicking things that bother us. Sometimes I get to be the fix-it man when something bothers. And there's a door downstairs that our friends from Orbit use all the time. And that door breaks, and I bring to tools and work on it. And we would need to replace some stuff, but I work on it. And I was thinking, I shouldn't be doing I'm complaining. I hope they wear that door out, don't you? I hope they rip it off the hinges because it means people are in and out of the building. But I have to make myself think in the way that I ought to think. But what so many are doing today is just the opposite of Philippians 4.8. So whatsoever is false or without honor, whatever is unjust, whatever is sordid, whatever is provoking, whatever is reprehensible... If there's any failure, if there's anything worthy of criticism, think about these things. Isn't that accurate in many in this world? It is too accurate. Although I quit watching television, on occasion I'll turn to Netflix to watch something and someone recommended a show, uh, radio I think was recommended and so I turned on the first episode to watch and I didn't take long where the language offended me so much that I just had to turn it off and thought, well, it might be a great show, but I can't watch it because I can't put that in my mind. I just don't want to put that kind of language in my brain. And so I guess, Harry, I'll stick with the Andy Griffith show because they don't say anything bad at all there. I've made an effort in my mind, in my life, to not fill myself with images or with words or thoughts that, or contrary to what God wants me to be. I'm responsible for my thoughts. You're responsible for your thoughts. And the diet really is what matters. Garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. That's the way it works. I have to be careful what I allow in. So do you. I must be careful how I process information. How I look at messes and opportunities. Romans 12 puts it this way in the New Revised Standard Version. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. And then these next words are big. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you'll discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect but we have to be transformed always by the renewing of our minds the new living translation puts it this way dear brothers and sisters i played with you to give your bodies to god because all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he'll find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but here's the key let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It matters so much. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But you'll never have that relationship with God until you learn to think correctly. 
Zig Ziglar used to say, and I love this line. You've heard it before. You'll hear it again. Stinking thinking leads to lousy living. Isn't that true? Stinking thinking leads to lousy living. We need to train our brains as God desires because when we think wrongly, we act wrongly. Let me use this for an example. Does it matter to you how I treat my wife? Do you care? Does it? JB shakes his head yes. It matters to you how I treat Jeannie. Can I come and ask you why? Excuse me, we're going to have a conversation over here. Why does it matter? She's your wife. It's a, she's a believer. It should make a difference to you how you treat people. Uh, wait a minute, you just went from her to people. I have to treat Nell well? I have to treat Lawson well? Absolutely. Who in here can I get away with being ugly to? <laughs> we have a volunteer on the back. We have a couple of volunteers on the back row. <laughs> JB is right. It matters. And I have to realize that it matters because as a Christian, that's my duty. And as a Christian, well, does God have anything to say about me loving Jeannie? Bible have anything to say about that? Look at Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ just loves the church and gave his life up for her. Yet matters. If I train my brain to think that way, I will act that way. But if I don't care about Ephesians 5.25, there's going to be trouble. When we think correctly, we are blessed. And when we think wrongly, we miss blessings. Do you think I am blessed if I treat my wife good? Do you think that's a good thing, that I receive benefit from that? Yeah, it's a very good thing. You think if I treated her wrongly, and you know her, would that be a good thing on my health and my future? Wesley says amen. No, it would not. It's not going to be a good thing. And so we, we reap benefits. from thinking correctly. And when we think wrongly, we miss blessings. So here's your homework. Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any praise, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, you think about these things. It is a constant battle to stop the drip, isn't it? But through prayer and thanksgiving and correct thinking, we can do that. So how do you do it? Go home and make a list. Make a list of things you're thankful for. Make a list of things you are blessed with. And when the drips start to come, get that list and look at it. And it works. Memorize scripture. It works. Follow what the book says. And we're all going to be so very much better. Let's pray together. Lord, in this room, we all have problems or we all have opportunities. We all have situations or we all have things that need to be adjusted. 
Help us to think clearly through all of them. Help us to not make mountains out of molehills. Help us to train ourselves to follow you in what is true and honorable and just and pure and pleasing and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy. Father, help all of us to put that into practice. Thank you, Father, for this room and the lives in it that are so evident of loving you no matter what and serving you regardless of circumstance. We pray for your continued blessing on us. And now as we open the doors of our church, we ask that you would bless us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to sing a hymn of invitation, Just As I Am. Um, you know this one, I bet. The words are on the screen. If God is leading you to join with this church family, we want to give you opportunity to do that today. If you've yet become a Christian and you know you ought to, we stand here ready to show you the right way and, uh, and, and lead you on the right path. So whatever God is leading you to do, we encourage you to stand and sing and respond just as I am. Daphne Waddell is right here, so she, she, she's already come. Uh, she told me about three weeks ago I wanted, she wanted to join in our church family. And Daphne comes today uh, from a church in Asheville, North Carolina. Daphne, how long were you in Asheville at this church? It's been a while. It's been a long time. She moved to Atlanta to get closer to us, and we're so thankful for her faithfulness. And so Daphne comes wanting to join the church, transfer by letter, uh, her son, Keith, and his wife, Elizabeth, are with us today, and we're thankful that they're here for, for this. And Paul and Pam bring her just about every Sunday, and we're thankful for that connection, and we're thankful for Daphne. Daphne lives right down the road here in Mount Vernon Village. If you, can you bring her up here so she can see? They're about to raise their hands and wave at her. 
you look so good, we got to get you up here. I want you to see what they're about to do. <laughs> if you'll accept Daphne, if you'll pray for her, if you'll love her and encourage her, as a member here, please raise your hand, but as a visitor, we can let you do that. If you would do that and accept her, raise your hand. Everybody raises their hand. Even your favorite son behind you raised his hand. I'm going to get in trouble with your brother for that one, aren't I? And, and we are so thankful for Daphne. So what we want you to do is come shake her hand and, and, and let her know who you are and thank her for being here. Keith, if you'll stay right here with it. Elizabeth, if you want to come stand with them too, we'll certainly, that's up to you. Uh, Paul, Pam, if y'all want to, we'd let you do that too. Let's say a prayer and then we'll let you come welcome Daphne. And then again, please, we would love for you to stay for our business meeting. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the gift of Daphne. Thank you for her joy, for her legacy, for her faithfulness, for her love for you, and for now being part of First Baptist Church of Sandy Springs. We ask your rich blessing on her family, on her church in North Carolina, on her friends, on her health. Thank you that she is, is faithful, even on some times when she doesn't feel like it, but she is here. So, Father, bless us together as family. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.